Thank you for tuning in to Sense Per Mile. I'm your host, Charles Gracie. And I'm your co-host, Paul Gibson. Um, before we get started, just like always, if you could uh, like, subscribe, rate wherever you're watching or listening to this and make sure to turn on the notification bell so you don't miss anything. Uh, that helps us start to do a lot more cool stuff uh, like what we just did. So I'm going to kick it over to our producer, Josh Haynes, and he's going to kind of tell you all about it. What's going on, guys? I'm so happy for another episode of Sense Per Mile. Today is a special episode. It is the first exclusive episode that is kicking off after something we have shot. We did an experiment. Uh, if you guys have not seen that and you're listening or watching, make sure you pause right now. Go check it out. It'll be in the description below or linked somewhere where the episode is at. Uh, go watch that because this episode is going to be heavily on spoilers. Uh, Charles, you've seen this. Did you know uh, what Paul was intending to do before we actually did this? I had a lot of conversations with him leading up to this, and he had this idea that he was going to try to capture it on camera using that creative mind of his and put something together to bring more awareness to things that drivers out there are going to be experiencing on the road and in the truck and with these companies. So, uh, Paul, when we had this discussion, you know, tell me a little bit about what led up to this for you. With what I do for a living, I make videos for trucking companies and content for drivers. Um, you know, trying to make it a little bit better than just you know if you're if you're in you know on your tent you know sitting in, in your cab you know you scroll through your news feed to like I don't know see what your family's doing whatever uh, you get bombarded with ads for trucking companies and it's always like a truck driving past a field of wheat with a deep voice that's like we're going to treat you with respect. Which how terrible is that job if being treated like a person is a uh, job perk. <laughs> uh, but with that being said, I've also had a lot of conversations where it's like, you know, drivers being an over the road driver being expected to be out three weeks at a time. Uh, it's usually like, well, you signed up for it. You know, you get paid well. That's why you have to do it. And then on the other hand, uh, you know, when you run into a dispatcher or something and a driver's like, no one's available, their argument is we work long hours too. Well, I've always kind of felt like that wasn't apples. It was kind of apples and oranges, basically, to compare those two things because they're not the same. Uh, so I figured, let's see what it looks like if an office employee uh, decides to follow hours of service regulations. So at the CDL Life headquarters, they have a they have a storage closet. Um, which is not quite the size of a cab, but pretty close. And it's, it's in two sections. Uh, so basically I would work in the front half of it and I would sleep in the back half of it. Uh, so I decided to use uh, an app to track my hours of service on an iPad and I would work, uh, whenever I was working would be my drive time. Um, just to see, you know, kind of what that looked like comparatively, if it really was apples and oranges or if it was apples and apples. And so when you went into this, you know, we had some discussions on on this whole thing as it progressed. And even during your time in there, we had some heavy discussions. What did you think going into it you, you were going to expect versus what you came out of it with? Well, my whole thing was just probably going to ultimately show like at the end of the day, you know, when you're an office employee, you go home. Or even worst case scenario, if you're traveling, you're going to go back to your hotel. You know, you're going to have time to eat dinner. You're going to have a lot more than 10 hours of, of downtime, uh, typically. Um, and that's ultimately what I thought it was going to, sh to show um, was just that you don't you're not at the office as much as the driver is in the truck, you know, especially someone who's over the road. Um, which was really the focus because, you know, when you're local hours of service isn't as big of a deal and you're home every night. So that doesn't really count. Uh, but more in an over the road type setting. Um, but it got a lot, uh, a lot more, uh, in depth and, uh, weird, um, and darker, uh, than that. Absolutely. I think it's a good way to say it. Um, at this point, if you haven't paused to watch it, um, you're you should probably check it out or else we're just going to talk about the whole thing so <laughs> yeah this is your last safe spot before we spoiler alert yep. the whole thing um but yeah i guess before that i mean we can break down you know the progress because it took a while to get to that point to come to the ultimate realization it was you know obviously i i think a pretty telling point was you know, I, I went on drive time to get or not drive time uh, on duty time to get everything set up because I wasn't at my desk doing my my primary function. 
Um, so it was on duty. It wasn't drive time. But then we got everything set up, and I, I went on drive time. And uh, an hour in, well, I didn't know it was an hour. I had just been working for a while and decided to check to see how long I've been doing it. And it had only been an hour. <laughs> and that's, you know, that's pretty much when I knew, like, oh, this is uh, this is going to be an experience. Um, and it was a lot different. So I've, I've, uh, I've ridden in a truck, you know, for multiple, multiple days. So it's not like I'm, I'm a stranger to that, but there's, there's a big difference immediately. I, I found out, um, the stress of, of operating by hours of service versus just being in a truck where someone else is operating by hours. Well, of service. yeah. Cause when someone else is operating by hours of service, your life goes on normally. You're just in the box and rolling along. But when you're operating by those hours of service, not only are you trying to do the job, but you're also trying to keep in mind that you have these clocks ticking and it's just an added stressor, uh, added thing that you got to plan for. And it becomes part of the job. I mean, I, I drove, uh, it, I had a log books, hours of service were there. We didn't have the ELD when I first started, it was implemented during the time I was driving. Um, but yeah, it is a stressor. It, it's something that you got to keep in the back of your head. And then if you make a mistake, it's not like you can go back and like, well, hold on. I'll just erase this out of, no, you made a mistake. It, it trickles <laughs> down throughout your whole week. And a lot yep. of people just don't realize that one mistake can domino affect your entire results for a week. Well, and I, I think before, you know, I mean, speaking of that, before we get too far into it, I think, I think one thing that, you know, I do discuss it in the video is, is, is trade-offs though. Cause it's not the same. You know, I might be operating by the same rules, but it's not the same. Uh, so some trade-offs are, which eliminates some of the biggest problems the drivers face. Uh, you know, I don't have to worry about parking. Uh, it's a storage closet. You know, there are no other, one's going to knock and tell you to move. Right. There, there, there are no other storage closets in the way. The storage closet is not going to move. Um, you know, I, like I say in the video, like I'm not governed. Uh, no one's controlling how fast my computer can go when I'm working or, you know, anything like that or how fast the internet is. Um, but also, uh, I was up against a cabinet, so I didn't have the same amount of leg room that you'd have in the truck. Um, I didn't have any windows, which was kind of terrible. Um, you know, I know it's a nasty habit, but I am a smoker and, uh, the company wouldn't let me, uh, smoke in the closet, smoking. In, in the, the truck, end quote. Uh, so, you know, that was kind of tough. But, um, yeah, uh, there, there, and there were, there were a couple other ones, but, but ultimately those were, you know, the bigger ones. Uh, so, but with that out of the way, you know, starting to uh, kind of go through the day, you know, like that's where I got about five hours in and everything hurt. Like, you know, cause you don't think about like how often you get up to go to the bathroom as an office employee, or you walk into the break room to grab a snack or to the water cooler or insert here. Um, you know, when you're in a truck, you can't get out of your seat. <laughs> like that's not how that works. I mean, you could, but that'd probably end up like, you know, in, in, in some sort of like YouTube reel somewhere and, uh, or the news for that matter. Um, we have enough of those in trucking. Paul, right. So. <laughs> so, but that led me to at, I think I, I don't remember, I'd have to go back and watch it, but I think around five hours is when I ended up taking, um, my 30 minute versus, you know, trying to push it back to eight, um, which was kind of nice. And another thing to point out is nothing was vibrating. So my legs didn't really turn to jello. They just popped a lot. Uh, but then we, we kind of had a conversation. Um, that kind of sparked the spiral <laughs> that, I, that I went into uh, and the idea of, you know, in my experience, I've always thought that hours of service was this super constricting, tight thing. Um, but I found out from you that if you did want to go off duty and take an extra 15 minutes, you could do that. Um, you could stop for an additional back and, and, and taking like a short rest break and then you're 30 at eight hours. Uh, which makes a lot more sense and would make the day work a lot better than what I did versus, you know, working five and then being expected to work another six. Um, so I didn't know that. Um, and that was the moment that I realized that hours of service 
just isn't as you know tight-lipped and and as just stay between the lines as I thought it was. There is actually a decent amount of flexibility. Um, yeah, in, in the rules of service. The rules aren't your problem uh, when it comes to hours of service. As a driver, the hours of service alone make sense. Mm-hmm. It's the problem of drivers are paid by the mile or performance pay, and then you take hours of service, and then you have the dispatcher driving the sleigh in the middle, and none of those things, when you combine them, work cohesively. Oh, they work cohesively, just not in a good way. <laughs> they work very, very, very well together um, as far as profit margins uh, for people outside of the driver. Um, but, you know, because it, it really does, it, it, it turns that into a carrot, you know, like it, it turns it, it into a toxic relationship, right. to be honest with you, from the driver's perspective, when I sat in that chair, you know, everything was moving in a direction other than for me. Uh, if something happened with that truck, I'm sitting there uh, waiting for someone to get it fixed. My clock's still ticking. They're still asking me to meet the same deadline, but nothing changes. I'm not getting compensated any differently unless a certain amount of time elapsed. If I'm sitting in a dock and I get delayed the first two hours, I'm on the hook for Mm -hmm. you know, and what job are you doing anything for free? Like, that's like saying, Hey Paul, for the first two hours you come into work every day, you're not getting paid. But then after that, I'm going to pay you. I mean, there's so many things that are at play here that when you put them together, they don't fit as well as we like to paint the picture they fit. Well, it's not even just that. I mean, typically detention, I mean, in my experience, is, is going to be, you know, after two hours. Uh, but then it's going to be 20 to 25 bucks an hour. You know, depending on what you're making, even if you're rolling like, you know, average, you know, like in the 40s and 50s cents per mile, let's say that you can get out there and you can roll 65 miles an hour for an entire hour, you're going to make more than 20 bucks. <laughs> you know, so it's like that that doesn't totally make up for it either. Um, you know, on top of the fact that you're, you're messing with your clock at that point too. Um, cause you know, eventually that 20 bucks an hour isn't, is, is going to fall way behind what you could have been doing if you were driving. Um, yeah. which just completely blew my mind wide open on all the times that I've heard people complaining about sitting at customers. Like I understood that you weren't making money, but there is always things like detention, but really starting to sit down and look at the math, like that sucks. It's not the same, you know, not to mention, you know, a couple episodes ago we had a broker on and he talked about how sometimes that, that is uh, what they take out of to, to make their profit. But then you also have companies that, that are, you know, like clients and customers who don't want to pay the detention. Um, and ultimately like that's just that, that, that whole setup is terrible. And then there's rules on the detention too. little caveats that if they're not met, you don't get them. And it's not necessarily on the driver's part. It could be on the carrier's part. Everyone's human. They make mistakes, but in very rare occurrences outside of trucking, do you find those mistakes impact somebody's pay the way they do affect the driver's pay? Well, not just that too. You have, you have customers who, who don't let drivers use bathrooms. It's like at that point, let's say you really got to go. I mean, you got about three options. You know, you're, you're, you know, you really got to go, but you're stuck at a customer for two hours. One, you can obviously, you know, the classic go in a bottle or something like that. Uh, two, uh, you can definitely make a scene on some security footage on a fence or a side of a building, uh, or between the trailers, you know, the classic, uh, or you're going to have to stop as soon as you leave. Well, let, let me paint you a darker picture here. Cause I know you had a taste of this, mm-hmm. but Sometimes when we're driving, we're in a dock and our clock runs out before we can leave the facility Mm. that we delivered to. And then we're in this predicament where I'm in violation if I leave. I could find a safe haven, but it might not have a bathroom. I have to find the first safe spot to park to fit in that parameter. Um, So that could be a rest stop. That, That could be a safe parking lot. Doesn't need to specify facilities for the driver. Um, or I risk driving in violation and some shippers or receivers will not let you shut down on their premises, even if you're out of hours and they're aware of the hours of service. So, I mean, there's, there's sides of this where you got a nice taste, in my opinion, that you got Mm -hmm. a nice taste to bring a perspective and a fresh view to this issue. But there's a lot of this that was left off the table because of the situation. Oh yeah, for sure. And I had a bathroom on site. That's another trade-off. Um, and it was clean. Yes. (laughs) 
It was clean. It was very nice. I hope it was clean. Toilet paper. <laughs> Toilet paper is kind of rough, but I feel like that's most public bathrooms. Um, so there was that. And, and so then I kind of went on with the day. It was tiring. Um, I was very quick to realize um, that I needed to figure out something to do with uh, my body. Like, cause I was gonna, you know, I mean, I was pretty much like if I would have just kept going, I would have been, I would have been down. And that's when I talked to my buddy, John, uh, John Douglas, who has been on the, I believe he's on the pay episode of the podcast. Um, and he gave me a couple tips, you know, like a couple different stretches to do, but like, uh, his last tip was basically like, I'll put on a radio show and I'll just kind of tough it out till I stop. And then I really, it up. It. yeah, like, and that's. Um, you know, that's, that's insane. Like, so if you think about the episode we did with, uh, our friends that are drivers and now writers over at freight waves, one of them even spoke of the fact that, you know, they had that breakdown that it's almost become a conversation piece, but an expectation as a driver at some point in the career, they're going to hit that roadblock where they just, is this for me? And you, the advice he even gave was suck it up, move on. You take your mind off of it. There's only so much you could do when you're stewing in that box. If you sit there and dwell on it, it just gets worse. It, it almost multiplies and grows. And then at one point you're going to hit a breaking point. And I know there's going to be drivers out there that are be like, ah, oh, then it's not for you. I, I get it. Listen, I did this too. Um, we all hit that point. At some point we hit it. Yeah. And the only advice you get is suck it up. Mm-hmm. I mean, what have we done as an industry that created this thing where, where else in the world do you get told, Hey, suck it up. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's yeah. not it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, and that's, and, and that, you know, like it, it definitely like gives me uh, a little bit more appreciation about people who are focused on driver's health. Uh, Cause you know, I've seen a lot of times, obviously, you know, FMCSA guidelines and stuff like that. Uh, you know, in, in reference to med cards, um, you know, and then on top of that, you have the doctors who take it an extra step further than they're required to, but nobody's stopping them from doing it, which is where you get into that whole epidemic of like all the people getting kicked out of the truck because their neck is so many inches. And now they have sleep apnea, even though they don't, but the doctor thinks that they need it. So they have to do it in order to get the blah, blah, blah. Anyway. Um, but yeah, no, I mean the, what it does to your body is, crazy like i mean there's there's a stat rolling around out there that's been popular lately that drivers uh live an average of 16 years less than everybody else um and that makes total sense uh now to me um which is sad and terrible i was just gonna say if we wanted to make this a little bit more realistic for you we should have just surrounded you by burger king and hardy's and stuff and then this would have made a complete experience wait till you sit in that box rolling around with some hardy's in your belly dude so here's here's <laughs> here's the deal um it's not the same uh we do have a break room and there are snacks uh, so at one point I did have some pop tarts, which is not super healthy. Uh, but then for dinner, uh, another trade-off, I guess, is is I am in downtown Kansas City. Um, but I didn't want to use my car because that's, you know, that's if you if you get stuck out in the middle of somewhere, you know, or you're in your truck, you're not going to have your truck parked wherever you just went to go drop off a load or anything like that. Um, so. Uh, I, I was able to DoorDash because I was downtown Kansas City. There were very much drivers, but also I was doing it on my own dime, so I wasn't getting anything too crazy. So it was a bunch of really greasy sandwiches for the most part. Actually, night two nice. uh, was uh, fried chicken gizzards uh, from Go Chicken Go, which if you've never been there is hands down probably, in my opinion, the best fried chicken in the country. Q shameless plug Fight me. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but anyway, so it was really good. Uh, but yeah, I got that and that was, that was the end of day one. And then, um, basically like it was the back half of this closet. I was on an air mattress, um, and just tried to sleep, tried to sleep the best I could. Yeah. And so I, I watched the whole thing progress. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I got to enjoy it. Uh, have some great conversations with you. And I do think that there were some fair trade-offs that you bring in an acknowledgement on. I also think that the overall experiment bringing awareness to how this would look to someone that's not driving a truck, uh, there was a lot of value coming out of that. Um, yeah, and I think that's where really, really what, what started on day two. Um, 
because I woke up having slept in a closet on an air mattress. Um, I'm not a diva or a drama queen by any means, but I wasn't in the best mood. I think that's fair. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, um, so with that, woke up, woke up day two and um, I had some meetings that I couldn't avoid. Um, so I had to figure out a way to work around it. Uh, I was going to do it, um, you know, obviously via like Zoom or Google Meets or something like that. But then I got to really thinking about it. I should use on duty time, um, which really made me appreciate in following the hours that office employees get paid for meetings. Like, could you imagine not getting paid to go to a meeting? Like, hey, we have a mandatory meeting in five minutes. You have to go. It's going to be an hour long, but you have to clock out for it, even though it's work related. But you're not doing your primary function or, hey, you want to go to the bathroom? That's fine. You have to clock out. Uh, your, oh, your computer is messing up. You need to restart it. Oh, well, that's fine. Restart it. But uh, go ahead and clock out first before you do that. And it's like so many things that like happen where if you're not doing your primary function, you get paid. If you're a driver. Uh, sands, maybe if you're doing flatbed and you, you get, you get paid a little bit to do tarping or chaining or something like that, you know, or detention, um, after two hours, right. After two hours, like if you're not driving, you're not getting paid. If you're an office employee and you show up, obviously if you don't do anything, you might get in trouble down the line once they realize you're not doing anything. Uh, but you're going to get paid for being there. Like, and you're going to get breaks. And sometimes some companies even pay for those lunches. Like the, the, the difference is, is y you get paid for everything you do as an office employee. When you're a driver, you only get paid when you're moving, uh, typically, which is kind of what led me down a rabbit hole. I'm going to cut you off real quick and I'm going to throw my hat in. Uh, so I, I ran into you a couple times throughout this experiment, uh, whether it be on a, a break uh, or during the meetings. Um, because this is more raw and behind the scenes, and there's a lot of stuff in the documentary that we could not put in for time. It, it already got way out of Oh, yeah, it would have been. Yeah. It would have been so long. Um, you were not in the best of mood, like you were saying, during that meeting. Um, realistically, where were you at mentally coming into that second day? when you knew you had meetings and you were coming to the conclusion that drivers would not be getting paid for this, uh, you know, like we're, it, it would be weird not getting paid for a meeting and times like that. And, and it was, a, it was a, quite a bit of meetings that we were in. Where were you at in that? Not a good place. <laughs> I, I definitely agree. I was not in uh, the best of head spaces. Uh, you know, just like if you are a driver and, you know, you're in the truck and there's something going on at home or there's something going on at the terminal or, you know, some jerk four wheeler who like won't get away from you, like keeps cutting you off and then you keep running into them again and they just drive like a jerk. Like, but whenever something makes you mad, you're just going to sit there and think about it. Whenever something makes you sad, you're just going to sit there and think about it. You know, like if you're if you're angry about something, you're going to continue to get more angry. If you're happy about it, you're going to continue to get more excited, uh, etc. Um, and that was definitely a process that was happening in my head uh, the entire time. Um, but yeah, and so after after the the meetings, I started to talk to uh, my buddy Tony, who is uh, he was an owner operator, and he actually got out. Uh, ballpark around the time when, when ELD started, um, which turned a, a lot of it that I wish we didn't have to cut, but it wasn't necessarily relevant to the documentary. Uh, and maybe we should do a future episode on it was how hard it is to get out of the truck. Cause his story is that he was an owner operator or he was an owner operator, um, decided he wanted to buy a new house and get out of trucking. So sold his house that he was in, uh, started the process of selling the truck. As soon as he sold the house, his engine broke down. So he had to take his entire nest egg and everything from selling the house, put it in to get the truck fixed and essentially started back at zero. Um, but that's another topic for another time. Um, but yeah, that was his whole thing was, was pointing out that as a driver, you're trained to hurry up and wait. Um, and he pointed out that if a driver 
were to make a salary, they would be safer just naturally because they're not, they don't feel like they have to make up that extra time. They don't feel like they have to go faster. They don't feel like they have to go to the very last second. Um, and ultimately that's going to improve fuel economy. That's going to improve safety, uh, and allow you to actually be in control as a professional driving in that situation. Um, which I thoroughly agree with, which then led me uh, further down the rabbit hole to call Matt Bowerman of Bowerman Trucking, who is one of the only trucking companies I've heard of that actually pays all of their drivers salary instead of uh, per mile. And he had a very similar take on it. He said he's talked to his drivers. They're more relaxed. Um, their trucks aren't necessarily governed at 65, but he has drivers who will drive at 65 because they don't have to get stuck in the rat race of traffic. They don't have to be that driver who's governed at 68, passing the driver who's governed at 67, having 20 people behind them super pissed off, you know, like they can, they can take their time. They can stop. And, and one thing that really resonated with me, which made the, the cut was that he said, uh, some of them have actually said that they've been able to start to enjoy the job again. One of the things I want to pedal back on here was when you were discussing how you went through those and how that pay salary, you know, was pretty easy transition. I, I want to touch upon that because it is and it isn't. It's hard for people to come to the terms that, hey, we need to do something differently. I've watched it. I know several people out there and carriers and organizations that are paying in different structures other than traditional cents per mile, which is there to promote a healthier environment. But we have brainwashed our drivers into thinking that we're going to take advantage of them so much that when we present those packages to the drivers, it's not always as easy as people think. People like, oh, I'm giving a good hourly rate. I'm giving a good salary. This is one and done. No, there's conversations that come with this. There are wholehearted conversations and explanations. And then there's a little bit of put your money where your mouth is moments where there's a leap of faith on the driver's behalf to see that we're trying to do this in the right way as an industry. And it's a surreal moment when you see some of them fight back occasionally and say, well, I, I, you're going to work me like a government mule. I want my cents per mile. And it's, that's a realistic moment when you sit there like, I'm trying to do something to change this. And I'm getting pushback on it where you would think it would be welcome with open arms. And we misstepped a lot as an industry. So I just want to raise some awareness to that because it is a tough pill to swallow when you're trying to do this nice thing that Bowerman Trucking's doing. It wasn't an easy thing place to get to. Well, and even even talked about that a little bit, but like, it, so there there's another thing that he couples it with that I've seen more and more companies doing, which I appreciate, is trying to buy freight centered around drivers versus buying freight centered around the company, because at the same time, you know, like if you're five days on, you know, at a salary, and you have freight that'll get you back home. Or you know that you have freight that won't necessarily make you use like your entire 70, that will allow you to be more relaxed. Um, it, it just, it's one of those things where it's, it, it really boiled down to my takeaway was the relationship between everything. Getting paid per mile isn't necessarily all that bad. It's, it's worked for, I don't know, damn near a century. Uh, you know, hours of service is what it is. And especially finding out that it's way more flexible, um, you know, being, you know, having freight, long haul freight, that is also what it is. It's not necessarily a bad thing by itself. It's just all of those things put together. I don't know necessarily what combination the solution is that's going to make everybody happy. I don't know. And quite frankly, I'm not in a position to make that happen. I can be a voice, and I can advocate for it, but I'm not in a position to actually make that happen. You know, what the drivers want, um, I'm not sure that that even matters. Uh, but what the company is what, um, you know, is, is going to be what they're going to do. Um, but it's just, there's, there's very clearly problems that can easily be diagnosed. And there are potential solutions as an industry 
it doesn't feel like we're really trying to look at them. There are viable solutions. That's that's the really sad, disappointing part of this whole thing. That, that's We had a couple of conversations as this progressed and your mood progressed, and I even noticed it in talking to you. Uh, you. You went into this all pumped and excited, and then at the end of day one, you know, it was like someone kicked your dog, and then, then by the end of day two, um, I thought it was like someone ran. Well, over. yeah, and then I thought I was going to have to <laughs> expense a therapist after the show. <laughs> uh, it, it did, and it's important to know that a lot of that came down to your passion. We this is why we get along so well. We have a passion for wanting to bring awareness, but also invoking change. And I think that's why it wore down on you so much because you always knew there was a slight issue. And then as you experienced it firsthand, and then with the knowledge that you have behind the scenes, as well as with the insight that myself and several others were bringing through having conversations with you through this, you just saw that spiral happening. And it's like, ooh, the plane's about to crash. Oh, the plane's crashing. Oh, let's dump gasoline on top of the plane crash. And that's kind of what happened. This shit just blew up. That's kind of what happened. Yeah. No, it, 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 it's true. And I mean, and that's, well, and that's, that's ultimately what it was, was just realizing that like all of these things that like, I'm like, eh, you know, that doesn't seem fair. That doesn't seem good. Realizing that they're really not that bad. And that's why, you know, I've had those conversations with people and they just look at me sideways and like, they aren't bad, but like collectively it just makes this just cesspool of just a terrible experience, you know, like I'm not trying to lose any friends or anything, but you know, a lot of people say like, Oh, we advocate for drivers. Oh, we're trying to improve the driver experience. Okay. The driver experience when, when they're stuck at the terminal. Cool. You got a great new lounge. That's awesome. I am not talking trash on that. I think that's great, but what are companies doing to make the driver experience better on the road? And well, that would require more work and a heavier lift. Right. Well, and I mean, the, the scariness of, of moving away from, you know, like uh, moving into surplus labor with drivers, because, you know, like with office employees, no one no one second guesses. Hey, you know, we're out of water. We got some people coming in. Can you go get some bottled water from Walmart? That person's not going to clock out. But that driver, they stop. They, that's them getting paid is unacceptable. You know, like that's God forbid you make money. Right. Like it's just it's insane to 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 realize um, drivers are expected to be utility people, you know, and to be flexible and be willing to do things. You know, like I wouldn't you know, I can't count the number of times I've heard. Well, I don't want to do this, but my dispatcher asked me for a favor and I'm going to need home time, which is already just the saddest deal I've ever heard in my life. Like, oh, you want to get home? Hey, can you take this terrible load for me? I get that sometimes certain things need to happen to get you certain places. But regardless, when an office employee is asked to be like a utility person and go do something that's not their job, they still get paid the same amount of money for it. No one no one questions it. It doesn't interfere with their workday. It is what it is. Um, and just the idea that there, there really is such a double standard of what's expected for drivers as far as production versus what they get paid and us. And that's one thing I started that, that second night when I just, I'd lost my mind. Uh, you did. It was like something off the beginning of a horror. Well, I started, I started doing math. Uh, you know, like, oh, I, like I, like I, like I emphasized, <laughs> I used a calculator. Uh, cause man, was that, I was just not, I was not in a good place in, in, in any sense of, of that. Um, I, I still just like, it's almost like, like going back to it. Um, PTSD from this whole I don't experience, even know that Paul. it's PTSD. It just pisses me off to be quite frank. Yeah. You know, it's the idea that like, I don't know, I get paid a salary. Um, I, you know, if you took a driver, I think I, when I did the math, I said median hour, I think it was like 45 cents, which might be different because a bunch of people have raised their pay, but also inflation has gone up. It's, it doesn't, it's, I don't know that whatever, but 40, it's roughly about 55. I would say, I would say 60, I would right say now. like four. Okay. Well, I did it at 45. Um, I honestly don't think that with how far off the math was that, that, that 50 would, would even make that much difference. You know, 65 might no. get it close, but the idea, if you had a driver who drove 10 and a half hours, it's 65 miles per hour, didn't stop. They would have made less than I did that day working eight hours and going home. But if you only, if you took my 24 hours and divided it up and only paid me for the amount of time that I drove, I would be getting less than 40% of my salary. 
So not only do office employees get paid more to, um, you know, to do things that, that aren't their primary function, uh, essentially a lot of them end up getting paid more to go home at night. They don't need a CDL. They don't have to go through all the scrutiny of overregulation. They they don't sit there and have all these little loopholes to get them out of how to be paid versus how to get paid. Um, you go into an office, that thing's laid out for culture, communication of the culture, and to present a, a nice, warm, and fuzzy work environment so people want to show up. You go in the trucking as a driver, <laughs> you're not getting the warm and fuzzy half the time. Uh, you're luckily, half, yeah, that's, that's nice. You're lucky if you're getting a glass of spilt sour milk at sometimes. Um, it, it's you can get a hey if you can make it in, you can get a cheeseburger once a year. <laughs> driver uh, Appreciation Week. Yeah, and the whole the <laughs> the whole thing is. is we put on this facade that we want to do good by our drivers. We want to be able to post it on social media that we're doing good for our drivers. But what are we actually doing good for our drivers? Now, there are some carriers I will speak to. I, I know several out there that I personally work with that have gone that extra mile. They, they've, and it hasn't been an easy lift. They've revolved their freight, like you said earlier, uh, around their drivers. You know, they've taken those OTR lanes that are a week to two weeks out and turned them into regional. And then in the next phase, they turned them into two to three days out, one day home, or Hey, two days out, one day home, and then weekends off. They've carved these out. And by no easy task, is it a, something that you can say, Oh, it happened like this. No, it was a heavy lift. People deciding that they really wanted to practice what they preached and they wanted to remain competitive in the driver market. What better way to do than to show your drivers that you're walking the walk. I'm going to get you home since that's important. I want you to feel what family feels like. I don't want to just talk to you about, hey, your family's at work. You know, no, you have family at home. You have people you're responsible for, responsibilities that you got to address. And they're getting them home more to do it. Those are the ones I really want to commend they're going the extra mile to do this. Uh, the ones that are out there that are just saying it so they can post it on social media, plastering it all over there that one day a year where, Hey, I'm giving the mechanic. Oh, you kind of look like a driver. Let me get a photo. And <laughs> now you're going to be on Facebook. Uh, that, that that's not going anywhere. People can see right through it. Your drivers see right through it. Well, I mean, it, it was that. And then on top of it, I mean, you hit it, you know, with the, the, the home thing, like, I mean, one thing that I've always been big on and one thing I used to say always on the phone um, back in the day was, you know, talking to drivers is your goal is to make a living. And if you can't live the type of living you're trying to make, then what the hell are you doing? Um, and and not, not because I'm whiny and entitled and a millennial and whatever. But one thing that hit me like a lot of times when the well a lot of times the two times uh, when i would get done during this experiment you know going through uh my drive time um that i would normally be home in bed like watching youtube doing whatever uh you know like rested up for the night already tucked the kids in said goodnight to the wife you know she's probably rolled over snoring whatever um but i wasn't i was there by myself and then on top of that, there was no one in the office because everybody was home, except for the cleaning people, the vacuuming. It was obnoxious. I now feel for the people who are like, oh, I had to sleep next to a reefer. But anyway, uh, that being said, um, yeah, it's just like I was also awake and operating before anyone had came back to the office. So it's the idea that like drivers really are you know, and obviously it can, it, the, the schedule can shift, but essentially if, if drivers operated like office employees, they would absolutely by hours be the last ones out the door and the first ones in the door. Um, by the time that I had gotten done, there hadn't been anybody uh, that actually works in the office in the office for probably at least three and a half to four hours. And when I would get up in the morning, there was still at least a good solid hour before anybody even got into the office, uh, which is crazy to think about. Um, but I guess that kind of leads me to the next thing too, is when you are getting paid per mile and you're following hours of service and you're just rolling over 
Now, let's say that you don't have anything to use your on-duty time for, right? Like you're on a long haul that's going to take you a couple days or something like that. You don't have that extra three hours to offset. You have your 11, then, you know, whatever time it takes you to park or whatever. And then you're, uh, you're doing your 10. You're waking back up and leaving as soon as your 10 is up. And even in my experience, I noticed that I started my on-duty time at like 8 a.m. The next day, my 10 was over at 6 a.m. Had I kept continuing down that path, the next day, my it would have started at like 3 a.m., and then that, and so like, you know, they, they, there's a lot of talk, you know, in the, in the legislation and the arguments for whenever they make changes with sleeper bursts and stuff about circadian rhythm and stuff like that. But when you're chasing that cent per mile, that doesn't matter. It's set up in a way to where your schedule is just going to keep moving and moving and moving, you know? Right. And you're never going to get used to that. And then on top of that, you got these companies who only let you, you know, like they'll, they'll have you be out three weeks and then give you four days off. You know, I, I went home that last day. I, w- I woke up after the second day, did that, you know, the interview pieces that you see in there, which is why I just, I look crazy. Um, you know, I just been locked in a, in a closet for two days, essentially. Um, but it took me about a day and a half to get used to, to being normal again, you know, to not being in the, the well, as normal as Paul's going to get. Right. Here. But you know what I mean? As far as like, you know, my, like the way that I felt my energy, that kind of stuff, um, uh, like actual physical energy, not like some weird sort of mystical type thing. Uh, but that being said, uh, I also had a constant, f- like not fear, but like for the next two days, I felt like I needed to, like, I was going to have to leave my family to go get back in the closet. Um, so it took me a day to get, to get normal. And then, you know, so for a driver who who only goes home for four days, you're going to spend that first day getting adjusted the second day, fixing whatever problems came up at home while you were gone. And then you maybe have like a day to spend it with your family, but also if you're right, to be honest, not even they get 34 hours off. So if you think about that, when you go home on a Friday night, you get to go home, you drive, however long your drive is. You got the weekend, you're due back on Monday, but you're going home every night in that week too. With a driver, you're going to get back sometime Friday or Saturday, or depending on how the lane runs, might be middle of the week. So then your spouse or significant others or whatever you have at home is working. And some of that time your home doesn't even get used towards them because they're at school or working. Uh, But nonetheless, you got to shit, shower, shave, and eat. Then you got to kiss everyone on the forehead, spend that family time, work on the honey to-do list, catch up on rest because now you know what it feels like to be in that kind of hours. And then by the time you do all that, guess what? It's time to get back out there. You know, or one thing, one thing that you even pointed out to me is like, let's say that your hours reset Sunday night and you have a load that leaves out Sunday night, but you're with your family Sunday during the day. You're going to stay awake all day. Yeah. How safe is that? Because you're not going to, yeah, I mean, you're not going to see them again for a while. So it's like, if you have to leave out, like, you're going to stay up all day and then drive all night. Been there, done that. Uh, I got a family. It was no secret that when I was driving, uh, I have a family. I'd be spending my Sunday, because that's really when you finally start to feel a little recharged, get that family mojo back, and like, all right, we're ready to do some stuff. I'm actually going to spend some family time. Oh, my hours reset usually around like six. Well, at 6 p.m. now, I'm expected, according to dispatcher, oh, well, you got fresh hours. Let's get out there and go. I've been up all day. Now you want me to run all night. And I'm immediately starting in that upside down cycle. And we're saying that this is all in the best interest of safety. Well, how safe is it? It, You know, if we're going to say it's in the best interest of safety, like, okay, the average person's going to be up during the day. So therefore let's have them start Monday morning, but they don't. Now there are very few that I know out there that do it that way. The majority are like, Oh, 34 is up time to get in the truck. Mm -hmm. Well, and then, I mean, you also, you have people who who don't mind driving at night um, and can do that, but it just seems like between like the the schedule rolling if if on duty doesn't put you at a perfect 24 hours you have that it just 
It's a lot. And and I, I thought, honestly, to be completely honest, because I was in kind of a weird headspace when I was done uh, and came in here to do the interview, um, I thought it was going to end up on the cutting room floor. But one thing I said was it kind of seems like the whole thing's kind of rigged. <laughs> like it seems a little rigged. And it, it it's not to, to be like, oh, the trucking industry is terrible. Duh, duh, duh. I love trucking. I love it. But the my, my thought process is kind of like, if you want to make a change, everything is built perfectly. Like, you know, like I said in, in the, in the mini documentary is that hours of service, there isn't a good argument against hours of service in a vacuum by itself, you know, cents per mile has worked forever. Uh, that's just the way it's, it's been for a long, long time. Even when they changed the labor laws and swapped it out for coal miners and everybody else and everybody else started doing, like stopped doing piecework, but drivers still do it. And it's just worked out. You know, but it's starting to come to a head, especially, you know, with e-commerce and then long hauls and then putting it all together, making it tighter. Um, In order to change anything, you have to change something else. In order to change that, you have to change something else. And in order to change that, you have to change something else. And then on top of that, you have the potential of the shakeup of at at the very least temporarily the shakeup of profitability in order to go through those transitions so in order to fight everything or in order to change anything you have to change everything and i i think the outlook on that is pretty damn bleak yep. if we're being honest and so this is where we started having some really different conversations uh, as as your experiment progressed and you started sharing your insights. I started sharing some of the experience I have from being on that side, from being on both sides. And that's where we started to see that mentality in Paul change <laughs> to the, the the really dark side of, can this change? And, and, and Paul, here's what I'm here to tell you. I'm, I'm going to make you feel a little bit better about this whole thing. It can mm-hmm. change. It can oh, I absolutely think it, I, I think change. Absolutely, I absolutely 100% without a doubt believe that it can change. Oh, it can change. My... my my problem is, will it? No, it, it will change. And you know why I'm positive about that? Because over time, drivers are becoming a more cohesive unit with voicing how they feel about this stuff. Uh, within time, just my time in the industry, I've seen more people advocating for this stuff. Hence where we're at right now and what we do. And this experiment even taking place. I have never seen no one else go into a supply closet for two days to prove a point. You know, these are the things that are going to invoke that change. And it's these voices, you know, drivers, go to your companies and tell them how you feel. Let them know these inconveniences that are happening. Let them know the quality of home time. Let them know what it's like at these truck stops. And I don't care if they're falling on deaf ears. Keep telling them. Eventually, someone's going to listen. And for industry professionals, keep voicing for that change. Eventually, someone's going to listen. We can never get quiet about this. We have to continue to be loud and work together and keep trying to get the industry to move in the right way. We can't afford to mess this up. We need our drivers. I do agree with you. We got to keep trying and things can change, but I am, I am pessimistic, but uh, I will be honest. I'm not ready to give up. And I'm glad to hear you say that, Paul, because we're not giving up. That's what we're here for. That's what you put us working combined to raise awareness in the industry to these tough topics. That's what this whole show is designed around. So I encourage everyone, you know, watch this. This is a very powerful thing. I was talking to Paul throughout the entire process. uh, And when I watched it and it was all put together, it still hit hard. And that's for me. Uh, I'll tell you, I want to give a huge shout out to Josh from behind the scenes working on this because he did a fantastic job. Uh, setting up everything from start to finish so we can make sure that the transparency was there. We had ring cameras set up to make sure Paul was in his box. Paul was in his little box and did not leave. Uh, So huge shout out to everyone that made this little experiment come together. Paul, I know it wasn't easy and I know it offered some uh, grim moments at time, but 
Uh, I appreciate you sacrificing your time to go out there. I think that's kind of a wrap for this episode. I encourage everyone to watch this. I, I think uh, there's some powerful stuff to take away. And Paul, before we leave, is there anything you want to add on? Yeah. I mean, it was an experience. Uh, and, and for anybody who uh, doesn't drive a truck, who, who isn't an office or, or some sort of capacity like that, um, I would venture to encourage you to try to find ways to either mimic an experience that a driver has or to actually see if you can find a driver that will allow you in and let you have some of those experiences. So at least see what some things are like. Cause I've, you know, been in the industry for a while and I had an idea about a lot of things, but every time I do something like this, whether it's, you know, rolling up the windows and sitting in a truck without idling, you know, to, to experience how terrible idling laws are uh, and it gets up to 114 degrees or living in a closet for two days or anything like that. I find that nothing is ever as, the same as I think it is knowing what, what everything is on paper, if that makes sense. Um, but we, we've done a good job of breaking it down. Um, but ultimately I think the best way to end it would probably be with the last two minutes of that documentary. So if you haven't watched it yet, you should pause it now, pause this episode now, go watch that and then come back. Um, but I think, I think the outro of that documentary speaks for itself. Thanks for tuning in the sense per mile. I'm your host, Charles Gracie. And I'm your co-host, Paul Gibson. See you next time. What is your takeaway from all this? Honestly, the whole thing seems like it might be kind of rigged. Initially, I thought the takeaway was going to be drivers keep a way harder, way more intense schedule uh, than office employees. Despite being focused on hours of service, it really is more about a combination of that and getting paid. Uh, you know, hours of service is flexible. So if you go to just attack hours of service and say, hey, we need to change, you know, which has happened a little bit, you know, like they're going back and forth on like sleeper berths and what, what splits are acceptable. Uh, but ultimately it is flexible enough that there's not really a good argument in a vacuum to, to fight hours of service. With with cents per mile, it's, it's, it's kind of hard to uh, make the argument to change it because it's the way it's always been done. People are used to it and it's just become a necessary evil. And it's hard to fight that by itself. But ultimately, all of these things put, both these things put together create this terrible, awful work environment. But in order to change one thing, you'd have to make the argument to change everything. And completely flipping the transportation industry on its head. You know, I don't know if it looks like going salary or finding a different way to pay or getting lanes where a driver doesn't have to destroy themselves to get where they're going. But it's, it, it's going to take changing multiple things to make it work. Um, and I have a hard time seeing that happen. Uh, but there are solutions and if our industry really does give a shit about drivers, we should probably do better.